Socialites, and welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast, the podcast where we study being social by being social. If you haven't checked out my tour dates yet, get on the website, mrgtimes3.com. Just in today, I believe we sold out both early shows in Vancouver. I know both my early shows in Denver are sold out. Both, correct me if I'm wrong, but both Madison shows are sold out and we're closing in in Minneapolis. So if I am coming to your city, check the website, see if I am. I wouldn't hes. That's gay for hesitate. I would just buy and I would just see me there. And I, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to shake my ass like a donkey for you just for that moment because you deserve it, babe. You deserve it. Anyway, this is a special podcast. Fourth time on the podcast, one of my favorite people in the world, one of the best clinical psychologists that I know because she's honestly the only clinical psychologist that is my friend. (laughs) Welcome back to the Social Studies Podcast. My very good friend, Dr. Jody Carrington. Dombrowski. Jody. An honor and a privilege to be in your hometown, well, you, I mean, not your hometown, but certainly where you're living, making your life, your family, all the beautiful things, to be in your presence is... You're in CC Wee Wee. This is the first time that you and I have got to hang out in the United States together. I know, and mm-hmm. we've been married, and we've, married. we've ne- I've never met your real life, my, my, my competitor... I, I'm so excited I get to meet him. I know. You get to be Morgan tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. So yeah. welcome to Seattle. Thank you. First of all, thank I you, thank am you. starting this new thing in the podcast that I only do this with select people. You're one of them. <laughs> also, total ADHD. The next time you're on your this podcast is going to be your fifth thing. And Jeff and I are planning this thing where when people are a five-time guest, we do a special thing. Like I get a car or something so get, like Ellen? It's going to be, yeah, you get a Barbie car. Yes! Uh, maybe. I love Barbie cars. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> do you have Folgers coffee in Canada? Yeah. Okay, did you have a commercial with a jingle? Yeah, it'll put... Okay, hold on. Don't sing it. No bullshit. I need you to sing the Folgers theme song like in your actual singing <laughs> like your act don't fuck around Jody like I need okay, your no, actual singing okay how do I, like I just can you give me the lines like, the best Folgers. part of waking up yes, is Folgers in you. your cup the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup <laughs> do you like that sung in the style of constipation wow no because I had <laughs> I had Folgers in my cup there was no constipation we have Starboo in our <laughs> coop sure right do. now we do and I just walked by the very first Starbucks ever Oh, you did line go. up. Well, it's right by Piroshki Piroshki, which I needed to have this morning. What did you think of the first ever Starbucks? I think it's dumb, but I think it's Absolutely. like, but yeah, it's, it's nothing. And, and quite frankly, I love this city so much for like the tiny little coffee shops, the mom and pops that are on the corners, like all of those things. Those are my favorite place to be, but it's just so cool to be where there's history. Like, and I just think about, you know, you and I talk a lot about business development, right? And mm-hmm. I think about like how that was the first place that they opened that. Did they ever dream? 
Did, did they, they ever. ever dream? Yeah. And, you know, you and I talk about this as I watch you explode. You know, you've been such an important, you know, we, we get to talk about business. We get to talk about like, not we're good at our craft. I think you and I both respectively appreciate that about each other, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and I have said this before, you give me a stage or I give you a, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll do it. I believe so much in our message, our ability to bring joy to people and to educate people at the same time. But like how you do the business part of it, how you do the surrounding of it is like the shitty part. Hey? Like that's the, I'm not good at that. I don't know. You and I are both like, we don't know about num- numbers. You got taxes. Someone's got to do math for me. Oh baby. my God. Oh my God. Do you have the IRS in Canada? Mm. We have the same, we have the Canadian revenue agency. That's what it's called. Same, same, same. You guys are meaner. I think. I, I have this impending fear that one day the IRS is just going to shake me down at my front door and be like, <laughs> you filed your taxes wrong. No. And you owe $57 billion. Like, that's what I fear like the most. Like, I think like I'm pretty good. Like, I'm an upstanding citizen. You know, I've been to jail recently. And I think there's all of those things that are like. <laughs> did you really go to jail I recently? Didn't. No, <laughs> I really wanted to, but I don't have that story. So I just have to make it up. But I think that there's like so many of those things that I just don't understand. So thankfully, I mean, I'm married to a guy that is phenomenal with numbers, Same. which I never, ever want to talk about ever. Like there's, we got a fucking spreadsheet for everything. Same. Right. And I like that. Nah, Not me. Morgan. Bop. Oh, my God. Literally nothing gets Morgan hard like an Excel spreadsheet. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know. That's why I want or, same um, with Aaron. Morgan and Aaron really need to meet. They, they are same, same, same. They same. do for and, sure. And that's why they married us because we're fucking amazing. How did uh, last time you were on, we were talking about kids these days or students these days, teachers, teachers these days. days. Yeah. How did everything go with the launch and how was it received? Amazing. So I co-wrote that with Mrs. Max Kinders, who is a, a phenomenal kindergarten teacher. And the whole point of teachers these days for us was, you know, the, here, here we are, two white women, two straight white women privileged in this little province of Alberta, writing a book about teachers. And so we got stories from te- We said, tell us what it was like in the classroom. Tell us what you wish people knew about the holy work that you do. What are the kids that have never left your heart? And we got over 400 stories, Joe, that like Lori would call me at all hours of the day. I just got to read this one to you. And so we picked- She's a feeler. Oh my goodness. And so we picked probably, I I think there are like 30 in the book. Lori, if she was here, she'd be like, okay, Jody, there are 16, but whatever, like it's a number. (laughs) The number thing is always whatever. Just to really highlight, I think, across the place of emotional dysregulation and trauma and how it has nothing to do with literacy and numeracy. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationship and connection and where's your joy. And, you know, those are the things that babies are going to remember. And right now, when everybody is in such a heightened state of arousal, forget the fucking outcomes. Yeah. Right. You're not paid enough. This profession is going to be pivotal in the future mental health of the next generations. And unless we start looking after you, these kids are fucked. So. I really wanted that book to be the place where we started a little bit more gently than what I just said, this ability to sort of shift the focus away from the kids and onto the educators because mm-hmm. the kids aren't the problem. They never have been. If the big people aren't okay, the little people don't stand a chance. What, and I've been saying this on the podcast recently too. It is mind blowing to me that in these past two years, in, in the majority of schools, not all, but teacher evaluations are like still happening and they're tied to student outcomes. But 
we are sending kids to school during this pandemic doing things that kids were not designed to do, like wear masks every single day, which impedes on your socialization and your regulation and and the, the behavioral consequences that are showing face in school systems right now are astronomical, yet teachers' evaluation are tied to students' success. And we don't even have an environment where students can reach their maximum potential. Right. And nowhere... Is anybody saying this is unjust? And there's a good good handful of states in the United States, I don't know if you heard about this, that are starting to, they're initiating merit pay for teachers based on performance, which is so unequitable because these teachers who are pouring out their life and soul in these low-income areas where mom and dad are both working two or three jobs to get food on the table. I'm sorry, but those kids are not going to have the same results as a kid in this neighborhood where dad's loaded, mom stays home, and has a wonderful routine set up for the kid, and they have access to tutoring and all that. But yet these two teachers are both able to make more money based on merit pay when one group of students is just completely disadvantaged. Like, yeah. it's that is mind-blowing. So listen, listen, listen. So uh, here, here's what I think is amazing about this. So we are currently living in a world where best, best practices, the best practices that we all hang our hats on, were made for a world that no longer exists. So from the very fundamental belief of everything, behaviorism has highlighted what we do in education, what we do in in my profession, what we do in the system of justice, which is you make a good choice, I reward you. You don't make a good choice, I punish you. And the hope is we're going to come out with good people. The issue is that was developed two generations ago where we had much more proximity and access to each other. Okay, in relationship was inherently built in that. And we didn't measure that. What's super easy to measure is behaviorism. You make, you know, you you get this outcome, you get paid more. You don't get the outcome. We're going to punish your ass until you do better. What we forget to measure is the things that are really hard to. How did you feel about that? How much time did you spend feeding that kid because he didn't come to school with breakfast for five days in a row? How much time did you engage in those things? And so we're really looking at something, outcomes, that were best practiced two generations ago in a world that no longer exists. I literally said this the other day. I was talking online to my fans and someone's like, do you think that the kids are worse than ever or something no. that they've ever been? Well, I said to her, I go, what I think is happening is we are teaching kids and expecting them to learn from the practices of the world in the way it used to be. But we're teaching that to a group of kids who don't even remember the way it used to be. My, my kindergartners currently at the school that I'm subbing at they don't know a world where you go to school without masks because last year they were in preschool. This year they're in kindergarten and they only know school with masks and social distancing. So that is now their norm. Yeah. But now we're starting to take that away and expect them just to fall in line. They need to, it's like learning has to like rehappen again. Okay, well, here's the thing, right? So we, we didn't do this to our kids, right? Like for the physical safety of our community, because of a global fucking pandemic, the idea was based on science and research that if we keep you masked, we're going to keep you safer. OK, so the initiation of the pandemic wasn't something that we all said, I think this is going to be fucking good. This was in response to something that nobody had a script for. OK, the outcome of that is going to be massive mental health difficulties if we don't pay attention to the underlying issue, which has always been 
before, during, and after this pandemic, relationship and connection. We have now put people in a heightened state of arousal because of exhaustion. And I mean, look around the globe. We're on the brink of a third world war because there is a heightened state of arousal. If we take it back to North America, divorce has increased by 33% across North America since the beginning of the pandemic. Have you ever tried to teach a kid who's going through a divorce? Have you ever tried to teach as a somebody going through a massive breakup or divorce? Right. The dysregulation is high. Domestic violence, higher than we've seen it in a very long time, which is closely tied to child maltreatment. So if I think about what is the what is the feeling right now Mm -hmm. in most schools when you know that 33 percent of people are in this heightened state of arousal, plus we've all been masked, unmasked, having losing friendships, family fights over vaccination, it becomes divisive. There's no room for gray. We have lost empathy, kindness, and compassion because you lose access to those things, not because you're an asshole, but because you're emotionally dysregulated. And so the issue isn't how do we make this better and get outcomes better and get teachers better? It is we start to look and see again. The third book I will tell you that launches in December is called Don't Look Away Mm -hmm. because we are in such a state of disconnect. It's the biggest issue we are, you know, right? We're going to want to fix it. Because when people get shitty around us, we want strategies and solutions, right? If you're a teacher and a parent in the same body, you're particularly fucked because you want to fix stuff, right? Here's the three things I need you to do, right? But what we miss is the simple act of acknowledgement. Let's take a deep breath for a second. Do you know what you've been through in this profession for the last two years? You single-handedly held communities together while your family, some of you, were falling apart. You showed up for kids when you didn't know if it was safe. You navigated masks and uh, vaccinations and dysregulated fucking parents. Administrators that didn't have a script, so then became more dictatorial. Colleagues that were falling apart. Would Everybody's eating lunch in their classrooms anywhere. Nobody's going to the staff room because they can't even fucking look at each other because they're done, right? What is the call? The burnout is something I speak on stages about all the time now because people are like, what do we do about it? Okay, do you know what the answer is? Be fucking nice. Be nice. And here's here's the deal for me. I am so glad to be alive in this season. You want to know why? Because the bar is so fucking low. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I actually was just talking to a group of first year teachers and I was telling them what a time to be in education. It's so hard. But you're now a teacher in this world where we're not reinventing the wheel. We're inventing the wheel. Like you have an opportunity to instate practices I'm not saying best practices, practices that will be around for generations Mm -hmm. because we hit the end of what it Mm -hmm. used to be and Mm -hmm. we're at the beginning of what teaching will be forever. Listen, in my profession and yours, so I I can learn all of the interventions. So cognitive behavioral interventions or narrative or EFT or EMDR, whatever it is to sort of shift somebody's uh, experience in this world. 80%, and this is multiple generations ago, this data, 80% about any therapeutic shift comes down to the relationship with the person you're speaking with. Huh? Regardless of the practices in which I employ, it comes specifically down to how much do I do you feel seen in my presence? That is exactly what I would like to talk to any new teacher about. You are so good at that already. You will get so much greater at understanding whiteboards and Chromebooks and all the fucking power school shit or whatever. I don't know what that is. But don't forget how much lighting up over a kid not only changes a life, but saves it. Particularly the kid that doesn't look like everybody else or sound like everybody else or smell like everybody else. If you light up around those babies, listen, 76% of all mental health issues that arise 
in adulthood are present by grade 12. And one of the biggest interventions I can do to ward off suicide in kids or major clinical depression episodes is to be, have them be seen. Mm. Full stop. You see a baby. You light up. You love on them. The ones who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. Yeah. I have a very interesting pivot here. Let's cut to a commercial break really quick, and then I'm going to pivot hit you with it. I say this openly because I know so many people have been in my shoes, and I don't think teachers are these people where you want to be the problem solver. You want to be that person who made that change for the kid. You want to be there for that kid. I had a kid who was so difficult, and he was one of the ones who needed it the most, for sure. But you know what else I realized? I wasn't the one to give it to him. I tried my damnedest. Joey, no, 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 no. But okay. listen, but listen. Yeah. I think that the best decision that I made was to find another adult who was going to be able to do it because I couldn't do it, Jody. This kid was knocking on my every single vertebrae and I couldn't handle it because of my own mental health. And then you, as a teacher, people need to be able to say this, this project, this one's not for fucking me because I need to worry about me. Okay. So let me, let me challenge that just a little bit because two things, I think you're right. I think there's two steps in this process that we don't do nearly enough about, which I wish I could create a whole other class in teacher school. And it would say, know your shit before you hang on to 27,000 other kids as shit, okay? As a therapist, that becomes really important to me. What is gonna trigger me in a session? What is going to, I mean, I'm a product of divorce. My parents divorced when I was 19, right? I, the, um, I, I've i never grown up around people with significant alcohol issues or screaming, yelling. I ha- The hitters, the kickers, the biters, those are my babies, bring it. Do you know the ones I don't like? The life-sucking whiny Cayuse who wanna sit on my lap and then talk to me about that. Fuck, bleh, get, you're fine, yeah? Because I grew up in this place where like, if you weren't fucking paying attention, you weren't gonna what, get a cup. What's a Cayuse? Excuse me? Like the cartoon? Yes! Oh, I didn't know if it was like a term and then they named him after that No, term. it's my term. You know Caillou. Caillou. With a bald Caillou. little fucking kid who yeah. whines all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so here's this, this, right? Yeah. Just off of that, this kid in particular one time called me the F word, right? I don't give a fuck. He, ca- he called you a fucker? Yeah, he called me a fucker. Oh, I love him. Jody, going, you know what? I, wait, you do know what I'm saying, right? I, but here's what I would have said. In those moments, if I would have said, you would have said to me, like, I want to throw a punch this kid. So I would have said to It you, wasn't that. Or, or like, he, okay, so what? What was so, it? Okay, so, so that word, to me, brings me to such intense moments of my life, right? Mm-hmm. I do not care who you are, but you hit it. Like, you hit it, right? Yes. And I think that the best decision that I made in that moment was like, I am not the person to relate with you now. Someone else will do it, but I got to worry about me, motherfucker. For sure. For sure. So what I would have said to you, two things. Absolutely. Like that would be the first thing that I want anybody to know is like, if you're not okay, that kid doesn't stand a chance. But here's what I love about you is that you're wise enough to see it. 
Do so you know how many, many people are not? Exactly. And they don't know why they but hate te- kids. Because or they teachers don't know why. feel like they have to, I, know, you, I have to but, get through this. I have to relate to them. Here's what I wish that I had for those. Like, we're not going to be good. Not everybody's going to love us. Not, you know, haters will hate, like all that kind of shit, you know, we, everybody says. But here's what I would love is if there was enough, you know, conversation in a staff room to be able to say, like, what is it about that dude? Right? What is it about that kid that sort of gets to you? Right? He, there's something about you that he wants to know that somebody can be with him even when he's messy and gross, right? Kids will push our buttons all the time. Yeah. Because, it, listen, it's not attention-seeking, it's connection-seeking. It, and there was something about you that I would love to I would love to have unpacked that story with you, right? T- tell me what you know about him. When's the last time he saw his dad? When's the last time he, how, how have men spoke to him? Right. What, because this wasn't about you. Right. And and so when you when it becomes personal, right, then it's hard to see that baby with empathy or kindness. Right. Right. But w- the, the issue is whether you did or you didn't. Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter to me. But I don't want you to have to then take that home with you and be like, ah, oh, or whatever it did that, you know, that that kid. Right. So I wish there was that ability to say, you're first of all, the permission. You're not going to like all the kids you teach. Oh, oh, please. Don't be fucking dumb, that needs right? to be said. Yeah. In megaphones yeah. to every teacher. So I, to your point, that's exactly true, right? Like, please know you are not going to like all your, like, I don't like all of my kids and I had them out of my vagina. Like, I, I, I mean, there's days where I love them more than others, right? And that's the same. Like, I think that we don't understand it as teachers. You become so connected to these children, some of them, and some of them you don't. And that's okay. It's so okay. Oh so, my you know gosh. what you just said too? What you said, like, well, he like really he's doing this because like he wants a uh, connection to you and things like that, too. I was so under supported that year, which is even made the situation worse, which is the answer, which but is the issue. People kept saying that to me. They were okay, like, oh, okay. well, you know, he's just like he's doing this because like he wants something from you. And like he he's doing this because he he knows it gets to you and like he he wants you to be. And I'm like, can everyone just understand, first of all, fuck yourself? Yeah, yeah because yeah. like not you, OK. But the other thing, too, is yeah. I have to be totally honest here it was a bunch of straight people giving me this advice and i'm like you don't under fucking stand and i don't want you to all i'm saying is there are other adults in this building fucking handle it because i'm telling you i can't i'm admitting to you good for you what what my downfall is here this year yeah i i love that joe and i think so much about this is you just want it to be seen and then you would have been able to serve that kid to the best of your ability, mm-hmm. whatever that was, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody said, well, just a second, what what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Right. That Jody, is brutal. This kid too, like even when I would like bring, he would do things intentionally like that to me. And then like, I would tell admin to it and he would, it was, and I'm not using this colloquially. Yeah, yeah. Sociopathic. He would turn in the meeting and he would like look at me and he would say, how could you sit here and lie to these people and tell them that I said that? You know that's a lie. Oh, baby. I'm like, you are 10. Oh, Are Joe. you fucking? And no. I, know. I can see, even as we sit in the room, I don't know if you, you can see us, but like, I can see how much that kid, right? That kid, I mean, if, if we were to dive, dive into it, I mean, who does he remind you of? Where do you feel it in your body? And where have you felt that before? Because that's what it's about. Right. It's about all of those things. This this baby is 10. Mm-hmm. This baby probably was surrounded by people who whatever. I mean, if he was aware that you were gay or not, but if he was surrounded by people that was like, don't you fucking whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he had an, a, an ability 
or to stay. Can you imagine if he goes home at night? Like this is what I often say to people is that like these kids go home at night and are inundated with ideals or whatever the conversations are, it becomes really difficult for teachers to hold that. Right. And and that's not your job. No. It, but your job is to be supported so that when those kids come, that it doesn't crush your soul. That's why teaching is so different than any other profession, because I don't think, I think that, I think that working with and handling a kid with situations like this is my job description. However, unlike other jobs, if some like if I was a software engineer at Microsoft and something came in my job description, it was hard for me. My job there is to do it right because you're, you're, you're it's inanimate objects. Sure, sure, sure. But teaching is so different, and I cannot stand how legislation over and over again makes teaching puts it on the same parallel. We're working with human beings, not robots. Like and, and every, children, which and I think is, is different. So even as a therapist though, like I think part of my work is to, I like, I don't like every client that comes through the door. I see a list of five patients that I'm going to see in the day. And I'm like, oh yes, my two o'clock. Fuck me. The three o'clock, the four o'clock, not a fan. Right. So what that's about me though. And I want to make sure that I have the resources and the places to put that shit mm-hmm. so that, I mean, and, and I, I can, the little I mean that I know about your brilliance in the classroom would say that this this is a rarity, right? This is the kid that stuck out for you. Mm-hmm. So in those situations, I'm not going to fucking push you through that. I'm like, oh my God, as, as your administrator, I want to be able to know like, OK, so what do we? OK, OK, yes, done, done for your sake and this baby's sake. Let's move him. Yeah. And you look at me. What do you need to be OK? And in that instance, you would have dropped your shoulders and you would have been like, <sighs> Yep. Okay, good. Let's do it. And then you might have seen this kid differently. You might have been in the hallway differently. You might have, you know, whatever, right? But you needed that space to be heard first or you're not fucking. You know, what's funny is, do you remember the first time that I read kids these days and I put it down, pulled over on the side of the road and called you? Is that the kid? This is the kid we're talking about right now. No! You guys, listen, when I first read Kids These Days by Dr. Jody Carrington, I literally, I either called or texted you and I said, I wish I had this book in my hands last year. I got it one year too late. No. I got, I got, I did. I got a one year too late. I wish I had it the year or the year before that kid had crossed my path too, because I think I would have been more in tuned with my own emotional regulation and thought. But sweetheart, li- listen how much this baby has come up for you. This one, it is kind of crazy. And, and this is what's interesting to me about teachers, right? Is that it is such an underserved profession because you are so much to so much. You are woven into the tapestries of so many kids' stories. I tell you that. As we, we've talked about this kid so much, I promise you, he thinks about you ten times as much. If you I don't know how I feel about that, knew. but I, but I mean, this is what it's heartbreaking because I think I don't think anybody in this profession understands how influential they are, and we've all had teachers. But when you pivot into that profession, you don't think about it in that way. Like I will tell you, the first and last name of every teacher I had, great K to twelve. Wow. I could, first and last name. My bus driver's name was Stan Comic. He was a crushy old motherfucker, and I loved him. <laughs> Right. The custodian, Mrs. Sheets. I can tell you what she smelled like. Come on, Mrs. Sheets. Like best laugh. I, you know, it was like the, the, the school secretary. Yeah. Right. I, Ev McLaren. She knew everything about everybody. You didn't cross that fucking, you like, she was the, don't you mess with her. And I, she loved us. Like front row at our graduation. You know, like you are just, you, teachers leave their heart and soul. Listen, not a single person who downloads this episode has not lost sleep over somebody else's baby. Even if you're not a teacher. Not a single. 
I mean, if you're not a teacher, but like, let's talk about how much we need to love on teachers in the next, for the remainder of our lifetimes, you Mm -hmm. and me, Mm -hmm. the biggest effort I think needs to be put into the system of education. It's the only way we're going to save babies. I want to talk to you more after this commercial break, kind of about your journey and your pivot, because I love where you came from and where you are now. So you started as, uh, you were a clinical psychologist. Did you go right out of college, right out of getting that certificate? Did you go into having your own practice right away? Yeah. So it's a, it's a doctor. I don't know anything about the profession. Yeah. Okay. So it took me 13 years to get a PhD. So I got a, a BA and a master's and a PhD. And then I did a residency. And so that took me a year. That was on the East Coast. And and then my first job, I did a bit of a postdoc around child psychiatry because I really loved kids and trauma. Like, mm-hmm. what don't we get about why does behaviorism fuck up kids with trauma even more? Like, why why are our best practices not working for kids who have really hard stories? Why? Because you can't punish somebody into being kind. You can't take away enough shit and they go suddenly like, fuck, sorry. I've been be suspended five times. <laughs> yeah. Now I get it. Like. Suspensions are pipeline to prison, and it still is best practice across the system of education in North America. Stupid, stupid, fucking stupid. And what I think we haven't done a good job of is really setting protocols around mental health in kids. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote one. It's called Reconnect, and it's a training for administrators and mental health professionals. This is at the beginning still. This is like the first step. No, this is what I did now in response to it. But sorry, yeah, my story is that— when I t- ten jo- or sort of ten years at a locked psychiatric inpatient unit at the mm-hmm. Children's Hospital in Alberta, which is the center of excellence there in our province, and it was strictly behavioral when I started, right? You know, so this isn't just in teaching. This happens across best practice, everywhere. We shifted slowly over my ten years to much more relationship focused, trauma informed. I meet my husband. We get pregnant. We have one kid, and I got it so fucking right with that guy. Jesus said, "You know what?" You're going to have twins. I'm going to give you two in that five foot fuck all Ukrainian chassis. I'm going to put two babies in there because that's what should happen to you. Okay. So then we had three kids under two and we moved back closer to Aaron's mom because he thought that'd be better for me. (sighs) It was fine. I like her now. But anyways, and then that's all I did is I opened a practice and I coached hockey. Those were my two favorite things in the world. And I started speaking and consulting to schools with the tough kids because I loved those sociopaths, the hitters, the kickers, the biters, all of those things that people are like, this kid, we have never in our 72 years of educational prowess, we have never seen a baby like this. He spits and he hits. He's got the ADHD. He got the bipolar. Okay. Okay. Okay, mama. And I come in and I would look at this baby and the ed file would be the size of the St. James. And there'd be two psychoeds, 47 behavioral support plans, an SLP, an OT, an element of P, a QRS, a, a fucking vitro, leecher, citra. Okay. So I'd close <laughs> the book. And in vitro fertilization. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. And a partridge in a pear tree. And I would close it and I would say, what's this baby's middle name? Oh, yeah. What color are his eyes? Yeah. Goddamn. Wow. Right. Wow, 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 wow. Who, where's his mama? When's the last time he's seen his siblings? Right. Does. Does he have a bed to sleep in at night? Do you know? Do you know that? What level is he on in Fortnite? And when I get a group of people in a room who can say, fuck, we don't know. And I would say, as a team, let's figure that out. And then we're going to watch how that ed file shrinks. Mm -hmm. Because when you are acknowledged, you will rise. And the ones who need it the most are the hardest to give it to. So I started to do that with schools. And they said, oh, my, would you come speak to our administrators? And I said, of course. And would you? 
so that started. I started speaking around. And this is Alberta. still in this timeline that we're at right now. This is predominantly Alberta. All Alberta. All Alberta. For sure. Nobody ever would trust me because I would swear everywhere I went. And but is this swearing still, in education is isn't a good idea. Mainly rural areas mm-hmm. that you're going to at this point in your mm-hmm. career. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then somebody said you should write a book, and I was like, "Fuck that!" I like I'm not a writer. And so then I did. And basically, what I did is I revved like transcribed a one hour or a, a whole day workshop. That's how kids these days started. And oh. I transcribed it. And then I edited it. Notes mm-hmm. taking, notes taking, right? notes. And it was like, it was pages upon pages, of course, because I just put the recorder on. And then I just edited it. And those were the chapters. Because I nothing changes, Joe. I talk to funeral directors and big corporate America and bus drivers and librarians, custodians, teachers, farmers. And nothing changes in what I speak about. Because the universal truth is, when you're acknowledged, you will rise. Yeah. And it's all about being seen. And then, you know, when you look after your people at home, mm-hmm. when you look after the people you work with, and then you people, the people you serve in that order, you will be successful. Okay. So this, you're, you're, you're growing at this point in your career, yes, but you, okay. but then I know at some point you open your own practice. Yeah. So I, yeah, I had my, I had my whole practice after we had those babies. I opened this private practice in Olds and then Before I started the speaking. Book. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So now, so fast forward. So then I wrote another book. I met you and changed my life. Obviously, that was a very Wait, pivotal stop. point. Shut the fuck up, Jody. Because when we met, I'm look. I was already looking at you like this bitch. Holy shit! You sent me a, mo- a message on Instagram. Okay, so you I had said you're you Canadian. Had, me. You, you, you had two hundred seventy three thousand followers. I had. 15,000 followers, maybe, like maybe fucking two. I don't know. And there was a note from Joe Dombrowski who had the blue check mark that said, you're my everything or you're everything I need right now. And I was like, I said to Marty, we've been spammed. This fucking, who, somebody's creeping on this big guy's <laughs> account. Like, oh my God, this is Mr. B. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> and like, when I came to see you the first time in Houston, you were speaking, I was there as a participant, basically to be in your presence. And Somebody knew you and Lori, Lori, who ends up writing the book with me. And she's like, do you, I can see if Joe wants to meet you because you guys had just been Instagram friends. And you came out and I was like so nervous to see you because you were like this big, you had such a big fucking platform and such an important voice in this profession. And I just knew that I wanted people to hear what I had to say. I wanted teachers to know how holy they were. And I was like, oh, my God, if Joe thinks this is good stuff and you came over to me and you are, as you always are, authentically and beautiful with everybody you meet with like every. Listen, if you have not met Joe in person, you he's exactly as he seems today. Nothing changes. Nothing changes behind the mic to in front of the mic. He's exactly the same. <laughs> that, that's that's all that matters to me around authenticity these days. OK, so you you were that. So we did this embrace and you were like you just said to me, I wish I would have had this book. It was in the first sentences. I wish I would have had this book with a kid. That I had a couple years ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, are you serious? Like, you read the book? And you were like, of course I did. And I was like, holy fuck. And I was like saying to Marty, like, he read the book. Like, oh, my God. And then ever since then, we just stepped, you know, kept talking. And then Teachers These Days came out. We did a couple more podcast episodes. And now, basically, we're on this brink that then somebody came to me for a book club deal. Uh, Harper Collins and said, you know, can we pay you to write your next book? And I was like, yeah, 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 you fucking can. <laughs> yeah. uh, we got an agent. You and I, you know, you've been so great around giving us business advice. And now we speak uh, around the world. And, you know, I, I, I'm expanding outside of teachers. 
because again, the message is universal, but educators have my heart and I will continue to serve because I have three babies of my own, you know? What I love too is that like you took what you do and you, well, we both did. We took what we do and we moved it into like another sector that other people aren't. And my whole thing too is I always say to people, Honestly, Jody, I have to be so honest with you. I think it's so healthy to toot your own horn every once in a while. And I'm going to toot the fuck out of myself with this one. Yeah, do it. I think this is a quote that could be like a well-known quote where everybody is just like knows that it's a known quote. Okay. There are a million ladders to the top and it's okay to switch ladders as long as you just keep climbing. Bitch, I fucking wrote that quote. That's me. Those are my words, okay? So I think so. But I think about that with you and I, right? Because we wanted to do these two things on a bigger scale, right? I want to bring levity to teachers and I want to shake up and change the education system because it's broken using comedy as the vessel. That's not a thing. I'm doing that thing, right? And then you took your platform even bigger. And instead of just, you know, keeping it in a way that psychologists should be, being this cookie cutter like everyone else is, mm-hmm. did your own goddamn thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's thriving and it's going. Yeah. What do you think was the most pivotal, pivotal decision for you to take what you did out of your just speaking around to now having almost... You have you have a network, pretty much. If you go to Dr. Judy Carrington's anything social media pages, she's got the videos, the books, the speaking, the clubs, the the private sessions with groups, conferences. What was the most pivotal thing to get from here to there? Without a doubt, a relentless belief that what I have to say, I think, can change the world. And maybe even save it. Bitch, I think what I have to say can change the world too. Okay. So you know you know who made me believe that? You. Shut up. You said this to me one time. I can't when you just were stopped during the pandemic, this was recently, and you said to me, I cannot tell you how much people need to laugh right now. I did and I time. get up on stage and I see people laughing and I know I'm changing their life. And it solidified for me what I've been like in my head. Like, is this worth it to stay away from my kids? Is this worth it to be on the road? Is it worth it to, you know, I edited the book for the last 72 hours and the kids would come in and out of my office like, mom, can we watch this show? Can we do these things? And I'm like, look at me, baby. Right. This is so critically important. If you want to watch mama be a CEO of her company and save lives around this world, you you got you pick the right mom. Right. And as soon as this is done, here's what we're going to do. But there is not a fucking doubt in my mind, Joe, every time I get on stage that there is somebody in that audience who needs to hear it. Yeah. And I I mean, I, I, I make no bones about being successful, making money, you know, building a company, creating successful workplaces for people who I think can rise. I mean, I have a team of 15 beautiful women, some of whom are single moms, some of whom never know. In fact, all of them do not know how amazing they are. And if I'm in a position where I can do that, create other people's lives, change them, make them feel good after they leave me, fuck, sign me up, right? Like, are you kidding me? That's a job. I I cannot wait to get out of bed every morning. Am I tired and exhausted and overwhelmed and want to throw punch my husband? But sometimes, yes, like that's fucking true. But to the core of me, my why. Yeah. Is And Susan David, Dr. Susan David is a clinical psychologist as well. And she just wrote, so Simon Sinek started talking about find your why, start with why. She solidified it even further for me, Susan David, where she said, walk your why. 
Oof. And every day I'm like, don't fucking mess with me. And can I just tell you this other thing that's really critical to me? You can say you're anti-racist and you're not homophobic and you're a supporter. You're an ally. You're the LGBTQ plus. Walking it. The biggest lesson I ever had was walking it with you Mm -hmm. because it is so much easier not to. Yeah. And so can we say we're these great things? Can we do these? Yep. And when it comes down, I'm going to say to the nut cutting, which is a Alberta farm girl term. Love it. Okay. So when we're going to castrate bulls to make them into steers, we got to get the nut cutting going on. This is what I, okay. So that means like it's fucking down to the basics. When it comes down to the nut cutting, what it's about is can you walk the talk? Mm -hmm. And I think it's the hardest thing to do in this season of everybody's eyes are on. You're never going to get anything right. You're not going to please everybody. I need to know why I do it. And I need to do it relentlessly. You and I believe in two things. Manifestation is real. Mm -hmm. And two, that nobody tells us no except for ourselves. And I truly believe if more people lived by that mantra of like, if you believe that your passions will become a reality, that they will become a reality, just like you, I've never been happier in my life. I love what I do. I wake up every day ready to light people up with, oh, here's the other thing. How fucking good does it feel to have a platform like we do by being yourself, <laughs> by being who you are? I'm just me. Yes. I'm just me. I know. And I love that being just me brings levity to millions of people. I know. I love it. Oh, my God. I, I get itchy when I'm not on the road. Yeah. You know, when, it, when I take a break, like I took a two-month break. This is the longest I've ever not been on stage since for the past 10 years, probably. Right. I was like, okay, I need a reset. I need to rewrite. I need to get back into the world. Also, as a comic, you, I feel if you get too into comedy, then you stop being a regular everyday person, which stops being relatable. So I needed to step back, experience life, and like reconnect to like what non-comics are like, right? Okay. And right now, Jody, I'm fucking scratching to get mm. back on that stage because I fucking love it. And so many people, when they sit in your shows, you know, and and that's the thing. I mean, we cannot wait for you to be back in Edmonton there. I mean, I, it is a bit of a healing of the soul mm-hmm. when you are sitting in the presence of somebody who can be authentic and funny and kind and, you know, has experienced hard things and is really ready to walk you home. I mean, it always thinks about, I always think about this quote, Ram Dass said this, we are all just here walking each other home. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody said, you need to be, are you strong enough to hold on to the hearts of people who are sad and scared? Can you make them laugh? Can you remind them why we're here? And both of you, both you and I, I feel like in some place said, put me in coach. Like, are you- <laughs> oh, I say that. I say that all the time. Put me in. I say it to my team all the time. What do you need me to do? They're like, do you want to do it? I'm like, yes. I literally sent for my fall tour. I sent my team last week. They were like, what cities do you want to do? I sent them a list of 14 cities. They're like, you're crazy. I'm like, I want to work. Yeah. Make me work. Jody, I was going to do, we have time for like one email. Okay. Do you want to do one? Yeah. Well, I'll do whatever you need. This was, this, this went in a direction I didn't ever expect it to go, but I'm so glad it did. Okay. I love it. Guys, before we get into these emails, I want you to press pause. If you're watching Jody's, go like this. That's her Instagram handle. Press pause. Even if you're listening, pull over on the side of the road. Just follow her. Aww, Just Joey. follow her, okay? And side note, if you're going to be at any of my Edmonton shows, you just might, <gasps> you just might run into Come the Come and bitch. sit with me. 
Oh, and then we'll see if we can get on stage with Joe. <laughs> what's your take on what's your take on catfishing? Catfishing? I don't think I have a take. What does that mean? So you know what catfishing is, right? No. Jody, come on. What do you live under a fucking rock? <laughs> I'm from Alberta. Too. Catfishing, Jody. When when somebody online pretends to be somebody else? Jody, what the? Do you have MTV? You do. They film out of Toronto. I am 46. Jody, it's 2022, girl. Can we edit this shit out? No, we cannot. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I was like, oh my God, is that a gay term that I don't know? You don't. Wait, are you pulling my fucking mind? I don't know what catfishing is. You don't know what catfishing is. is. Jody. What what is catfishing? Catfishing is when like you're on a- Do you know what catfishing is? Of course, he's 21. That's right. That's my point. I'm fucking 46. There's a TV show about it, Jody. No. This is a thing. Okay, I've, I can't, I, teach I'm going to ask your fucking teach me, team. Teach me. Don't I you don't. dare tell I'm them. not lying. I'm not lying. Cat I don't know if fishing is if I was on Tinder and I put a picture Which, of Blake to attract people who are younger than me because Blake's 21. Right. But it was me on the other end, and I just string them along. And they I'm come in the date and they look at you. I'm catfishing you. I probably would Who never the give him the opportunity. Does that? A lot of fucking people, Jody. And this I it, know Tinder's one, but he put his that own. That was potentially a no, version. He put his own but it's up. still catfishing because there was a lot of lies. Because he lied. Okay, okay. Now, so you're you're somebody right. you're not. Here we Why go. In the spirit of catfishing okay. is this email. Okay. The subject line, catfished by the school mascot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Hey, Joe, love listening to the podcast each week and loved seeing you in Indy a few months ago. That was a hell of a show. I have a wild story for you that kind of goes along the line with the Tinder swindler wildness that you've talked about already. I was in college at Purdue and on Tinder one day, I matched with the school mascot, Purdue Pete. Like, can you Google Purdue Pete? I got to What do you think it is? Probably a cat. For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Pete's cat, for sure. No pictures of the real guy at all. Just the mascot head. I messaged him, and he made some funny jokes about the school stuff that was going on. And then I asked for, hold on, there's Purdue Pete. Oh, my God. Ah! He is creepy. He's a white narcissist. Hell no. Hell no. Hell fucking no. He looks like Bob the Builder on crack cocaine. Oh, and a really white guy. Look, he got a hammer. He is, he looks like Casper the Friendly Ghost coming back from the dead. Look at this strong jaw on that fucker. Purdue Pete looks like he's going to walk down in the Thanksgiving Day Parade as an antique. He's got those you know blue those ass marionette eyes. Dolls? P- P- Purdue Pete looks fucking racist. Okay, I'm, he is. He's a, he's a dink. P- for sure. Purdue Pete. Purdue Pete's got some baggage. You need a Purdue, clinical psychology. You need to update your mascot. Purdue Pete, you need to make an appointment with Dr. Jody come Carrington because you got Pete, some fucking here, trauma under that hard hat. Shit. Here. Anyway, first of all, can we just backtrack to this girl really yeah. quick? Why the fuck would you swipe yes on that? Ah, uh, fuck. I. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like being a mascot's fun and maybe like the guy would. Anyway, tell me. Hell more. to the fucking no. <laughs> anyway, I messaged him and he made some funny jokes about the school stuff that was going on. And then I asked for pictures of him without the mask mascot suit on. So he sends me pictures of a normal person. And guess what? He's cute. He also told me his real name. I'm showing my friends his pictures in class the next day, and one of them says, that's weird. I went to high school with that guy in the pictures, and that's not his name. 
Turns out I was being catfished by Purdue Pete. I called him out on it in a message with him with a picture of my friends from high school with him, my classmates Instagram, and he never responded again. I hope you like this wild story, but believe it or not, this is probably not my weirdest dating story. <laughs> Looking forward to sharing some of those with you whenever you ask for them. Oh, I like that person. I like her too. I think we could go for drinks with her. I think she needs a drink. Dude, <laughs> this girl is lucky as hell. Had I read this and knew she was coming to the indie show, I would have called her up stage, pulled a Dr. Jody Carrington, and I would have psychoanalyzed her. <laughs> on no, stage I thought right you were going to say, I would have had a Purdue Pete head. Oh, I would have a million. And I would have put it million, on. Okay, also. I'm I'm a peasant swine that doesn't really know geography. Where the fuck's Purdue? What state's Purdue in? Oh my god! Listen, I'm a Canadian. What what what? what yeah, let's this let's what, ask the young. This buck. is what Blake does. Blake, you just Google shout that. Out, Blake, can you look at this? Blake, <laughs> where's Purdue? I know it's like it's a fucking great university, isn't it? It is. A, it's a it's it's a huge and it's phenomenal. Pers- it's got a prestige. great prestige. Right, like you go to Purdue and it just screams. Money and bags, money, money, money. Purdue Pete is rich. We'll say that. He is anyway, a fucking rich guy. Look at it. I mean, the Botox on that fucker. Well, and the jawline. Holy oh, shit. The jawline God. does make me wet a little it, bit. I do it, have it to is, say. I, I am a bit impressed. <laughs> Blake's looking that up. But in the meantime, Jody, what do you got coming up soon? And where can the people find you? Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, that makes I sense. She came to the indie Indi- show. <laughs> yeah, Look at us. <laughs> We're peasants. We're fucking peasants. <laughs> Putting it together. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. Amen. If you didn't hear, Blake just said Purdue Pete was rated second creepiest mascot. What was first? Well, we'll find out in a second. Anyway, (laughs) what's going on? So I think the biggest thing that I I will always serve teachers every year, we have done this conference, you and I did it last year called Reconnect. And so every year in August, I do this conference for teachers. And this one's coming up. Again, it's virtual and in person. Thousand people this year up in Canada. But wherever you are, you can join in in August. August 27th, and we hold the hearts. And so I get on stage and talk about all the things you need to know for this year to fill you up so you can step in to... Um, to <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a second. Keep going, Joey. So there's that. And then we got books and courses. I, I created a course for teachers these days that's coming out right away. And then anything, if you have anybody, if, if you're a teacher and you want to know more about how you hang on to the mental health, how I think we should switch mental health programs in schools, I've created a program about that. But I, again, your platform is like mine. It is a safe place to land for anybody who needs to feel a little bit of joy and needs to be reminded they're amazing. So your people are my people. My people are your people. Jody, I love you. Thanks for coming on for the fourth time. I'm glad to call you a friend. Oh, fantastic. I am so honored to call you a friend. Hey, you guys, don't dick around. Go find Jody. Like me, <laughs> Jody uh, travels to schools, districts, conferences all over the world. Open for bookings. Check her out. Check out her website. See what she's up to. One thing that I've always told you guys that I hold true is I don't bring you bullshit. All the ads in my commercials of my podcast and on my Instagram, I tried and have used in real life. I always tell companies who want to work with me, I need to try this and believe in it first. And the same goes for the guests that I bring you on the Mm. podcast. This woman right here is a knockout. Please, please. Take the time to invest in looking further. And if you are a teacher anywhere in the world, take a look at Relit Trust. Also, we'll see you in Edmonton. Jody, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, honey. Bye. Bye, everybody. 
want to give a quick shout out to all of our Patreon members. Patreon is how we keep the podcast going. Head over there. Check out the Patreon. Get some bonus con. You know what I'm saying? I do a monthly Q&A. You get first dibs on tickets, which the fall tour announcement is coming up sometime very soon, but I don't know when. Um, and also, you get these dope shout outs on the podcast. So hello to our newest Patreon members. Josh Harris, Alyssa Franklin, Kelly Valdez, Amy, just Amy. Darcy Quest, or is it Quast? Sorry, Darcy. I don't know. Stacy Munro, Kathy A. Rigsby, Nancy McGinnis. Oh, hey, Nance. I see you over there, baby. Christy, just Christy. Kayla Tupal, and Katie Sweet Burnell. Thank you guys for being Patreon members. You too can become a Patreon member by heading over to patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. That's patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. Patreon.com slash Jodombrowski. If you like the podcast, this is how we keep it going. So become a Patreon member today. We'd love to see you there. 